Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Well, we are going to finish up our messages on family. And you can, if you want to, go ahead and turn your Bibles over to Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> but we talked about last week the husband. I just want to remind you, uh, there are uh, all the scriptures that we're going to be covering, uh, there are scriptures c- pertaining to the husband, but much of what we talk about is applicable to every single Christian. So when we look at uh, what the Bible says, it is applying to us. And so as husbands, it applies to us first, uh, as a Christian, and then of course as a husband. And so uh, one of the things that we've talked about is the fact that husbands have this responsibility Uh, to be the leader in the home, and that's something that God has given to husbands, and husbands have to take that. I I think that there was a culture, and there is a culture that has kind of permeated um, even the church, and that is a culture of leaderless or or lacking leadership from the men in homes today. And sometimes that looks like uh, there's no father at all. There's no husband in the picture at all. Um, But again, God has given to us, not because we are better, uh, but because in his choosing has given to us the responsibility to lead our homes. And so what does that look like? What does that mean? When you, when you look at a a man that's a husband, that's a father, what is, what does it look like to actually lead? I I think it means that number one, you uh, set the example uh, in, in everything that you do, everything you say, your attitude, you're setting the example for the rest of the family. So you're setting the temperature, you're setting the direction, you're motivating, you're encouraging, you're setting the table for what the family is going to be and going to do. And so uh, what does that look like for a Christian father? What does that look like for a Christian husband? Well, that looks like that you're in the Word of God every day. It looks like that you're calling out to God every day. It looks like you're faithful to the Lord, you're faithful to his gathering, to his worship, you're faithful to give to him, you're faithful to witness to him, you're faithful to stand for him in this, in this, uh, in this world we live in. And we look at Christ, again we looked at his example in, this, uh, uh, in the first message concerning the husbands. We look at his example, look at his, uh, his attitude, look at his actions, look at his speech, and they were all examples of what true love and true leadership looks like. And uh, when all is said and done, I'm going to encourage you husbands with this thing right here. Again, when all is said and done, let it not be said that you could have given more to the spiritual investment and spiritual development of your family. Did you hear that? If you're a husband, don't let it be said of you when it's all said and done that you could have done more for the spiritual investment and development of your family. Um, again, we get one opportunity, get one chance to see our, our family thrive uh, in, in the Lord. And again, we're the ones that set the pace in that. Uh, it doesn't mean that our wives aren't spiritual. It doesn't mean that our wives many times don't have more insight or, or, or in, tu- uh, in tuneship, if you will, uh, with certain things and, and many things. Um, but we are the ones to lead the way. We're the ones to set the example in the home. And... Um, and one of the things with Christ's example that we saw, I want to remind you about this as well. Um, Christ's love for the church was in perfect accordance with God's will. 
Let me say that again. God's, I mean, Christ's love for the church was in perfect accordance with the will of God. In other words, uh, Christ's love for his people uh, was never outside of what God's will was for Christ and for the church. Um, and you say, why is that so important? Because uh, we talked about as husbands, we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And so we can't love our wives like Christ loved the church if the will of the Father, like it was for Christ, if it's not guiding us. Again, that's what was driving Jesus Christ. It was doing the Father's will. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And so again, we look at this example of husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church. The very first thing that we are to set ourselves to in order to love our wives that way, we're to set ourselves to the will of God, to doing the will of God regardless. And as it's been the case throughout our look in these responsibilities of the family, again, we look at these scriptures tonight, we're going through some of these things and wrapping it up. Everything applies scripturally to every single Christian except the parts that it says husbands. It's talking to husbands. So again, very important things that we're going to learn tonight and see again tonight. So I want to pray and we'll look at some of this stuff and then we'll be done. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. Lord, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to gather in your name. Lord, you are worthy and you are um, holy. And Lord, we're, we're privileged to be here. Uh, Lord, this is not something we do out of routine and it's not something that's uh, a labor or a tool for us. God, it's just a great blessing, and especially in the freedom that we have to worship you and to be in your word and to be reminded of these things, maybe to be challenged in these things, uh, maybe for some to learn some things. And so again, uh, this is your eternal word. Uh, you've preserved it for every generation. And so God, we are thankful for that, Lord. And I pray that you just use me as a mouthpiece, use me as a vessel uh, that would just speak the things that you once spoken so that you would receive all the glory from, from what's done. And uh, Lord, help us, help our, help our men, help our husbands, help our fathers uh, to be who you've called us to be. Help, help our homes, our wives, our families uh, to be what you've called us to be as well. And we'll praise you for what you do tonight, and we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 3 uh, is where, hopefully you have your Bibles, not it's on the screen. In verse 1 it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, which means set your mind, set your thoughts on things above, not on things of the earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And so when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And then he says this, so this is who you are. You're gone, you're, you're, you're dead, you're only alive in Christ. Christ is your life. Look on things above, not on things of this earth. Set your thoughts, set your mind on things of, uh, above, not on things of the earth. And so the next thing is this. Now mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. This is how you're going to do this. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. That's evil lustfulness and stuff. Uh, covetousness, which is idolatry, uh, idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. So the world, the lost, uh, those without Christ, they live a life that's defined or described by these things. As a child of God, as someone who is in Christ, these things shouldn't be in your life. 
They need to be dead. They need to be mortified, is the word. They need to be put to death. He says this, though. This is what the wrath of God's coming on the children of disobedience when judgment comes. And you used to be like that. You used to walk in those things when you lived that way. But he goes on to say it's not just those things, not those things about idolatry and lust and, 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 and sexual impurity and all those things, but he says this as well. Put off all this as well. Anger, wrath, wrath malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Don't lie to other people. Seeing that you've put off that old man, the man that was, that was lost, that was in sin, and you've put on the new man that's renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, which is Christ. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. In all. Then he goes to the next thing. He says, now you also need to put on, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. You need to be consumed with loving kindness, mercy, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. These things don't need to define your life anymore. You used to live like that before Christ. But now you're in Christ, and as the elect of God in Jesus Christ, this is, how you, this is what needs to describe your life. Again, remember this. This is for all Christians. He's talking to the believers there in Colossae. And so this is for every single Christian. But remember, if we're saying that if I'm a Christian and I'm a husband, then these things need to be evident in our lives first and foremost in the home. It shouldn't just be something that's seen in the church. This is how we should live. You can get that out. Um, in the home and in the church. And everywhere we go, this is to be the definition of our lives as the children of God. So we should have all these things, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You know, we, we've all probably been there, if you've been married for any amount of time, to where uh, you just don't budge. You know, something's happened, and I'm not, I'm not going to be the one that goes and, and, and says I'm sorry. I'm not going to be the one that says something first. You know, we've probably all been in, in a similar situation. You say, not me. I'm the one that just can't deal with that. I go to them first, but maybe your spouse is. Um, but for the most part, we all have this idea of what it's like to uh, have this distance or this wall inside of our marriage, whether it's for a short amount of time or for hopefully not a long period of time. Uh, but this is the standard for all Christians. Again, should apply in the home first. Before you uh, live like this with other brothers and sisters in Christ, if your wife or your husband is a brother or sister in Christ as well, it should be most evident there first. You should be willing to forgive your spouse just as Christ forgave you. That's what it says. If, the, if you both are, uh, again, if you're a Christian, this should, this should be the, ex, the, the example. Again, we're talking to husbands. This is the example that we are to set in the home as leaders of the home. This, is, should, this should be in our life. And so it goes on and he says this, and above all these things, so these are the things you should be doing as a child of God, thinking of heavenly things, putting off old, old man's, killing the things that you used to do, not letting them be uh, evident in your life anymore, but living like a, a, a Christian, living, living like a follower of Christ that's, that has mercy and compassion and, and long-suffering and forgiveness. And above all of these things here, he says this, put on charity. Let, let love clothe you in every aspect of your life. And that type of love, this charity, is the glue 
of completeness. If you want to be who you're supposed to be in this life as a husband, as a Christian, charity has got to cover you. Charity has got to come from in you and all without, out, all without you. Let the peace of God, he goes on to say, rule in your hearts and to the which you're called into one body and be, be thankful. I have counseled many people for many years about when they're trying to decide something. You know, hey, I don't know what to do. I'm struggling with this. Or, you know, what do you think? And, and uh, sometimes I don't have an answer uh, because I'm like, you know, that's a decision you need to make. That's a decision between you and the Lord. And this is what I tell them, though. So you need to make sure that when you pray, uh, that, you do, that you pray until you get peace from God. And you know the difference between peace of an answer and a peace of God if you've ever had the peace of God in your life. And so uh, that's what it says. It says, let the peace of God, which only comes from God, it doesn't come from money, it doesn't come from security, it doesn't come from a job, it doesn't come from a relationship, it doesn't come from anything else. The peace that comes from God comes only from God. And it says, let that sit as a governor in your life. So that's, that's what that word means right there, rule in your heart. Let it sit as the governor in your life in everything you do. <clears throat> Let it rule in your hearts, and, uh, to the which you are called in one body, and be thankful. And then it says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So how do I know when I have the peace of God? How do I know what to do? Listen, if you're not in the word of God, if you're not being saturated with the word of God, you're not investing yourself in letting the word of God dwell in you richly, then you are going to be short of the wisdom that you need to live a life that's honoring to the Lord. You're going to be making foolish mistakes. Uh, again, the, 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 the letter to the Corinthians. He told them, look, I, I, I wanted to come to you in another way, but I couldn't come to you other than carnal. You, you're carnal and you're babes. Uh, they, they had all these amazing things that they were doing, but they were not who they were supposed to be in Christ. They were not letting that, that, that word dwell in them uh, for all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Listen, this is the church supposed to be doing this, but shouldn't this be something that is in our homes as well? Amen? Amen. This should be in our homes. It, when we come into a symbol, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> when we come into a symbol as the body of Christ, it shouldn't be the only time of the week that we've spent encouraging other people in the Lord. It shouldn't be the only time of the week that we've lifted our voices in praise to the God who saved us and given us another day. It shouldn't be the only time of the week that we spend with, with our family, with our spouse, in spiritual things. The church is an assembly of people who are called out of the world and called unto the Lord. And we gather to encourage each other to lift each other up, to use our spiritual gifts, to edify each other, to worship our God together, to be reminded of the, the things that the Lord has spoken. And then he says this, in whatever you do, in word or deed, no matter what it is, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Again, all of these are Christian charges and all of these Christian charges to every single believer precede these next two verses, right? 
We just, we just had 17 verses of what Christians should be doing, how Christians should be living our lives, every single Christian. And then he goes into this in verse 18. Wives, we've already talked about this. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit, into the Lord, fit in the Lord. And so again, these are everything every Christian should do, including wives. And then specifically wives, your responsibility and role in the family and in the, in, the, in the marriage is to make sure that you're submitting to your own husbands as it's right in the Lord to do. And then verse 19. Specifically, outside of all these things that wives are supposed to be doing as Christians and husbands are supposed to be doing as Christians, specifically husbands, you are to love your wives and be not bitter against them. Again, we saw this last week, and so the stage is set very clearly for the husband. A, a, a Christian standard should be very clear in every... If you're a husband in here tonight, it should be very clear in your life that you're setting that, that example in the home. I'm not talking about sinlessness. I'm not talking about perfection. None of us are perfect. None of us are complete. None of us are sinless. But I'm talking about a Christian standard that's being, uh, th that you're, you're striving for. <clears throat> and so we have this command, love your wives and be not bitter against them. I mentioned in the last message, this be not bitter against them uh, is, is a very clear thing. It means don't be embittered. Don't be irritated. Don't be indignant. And the word against in the Greek is very clear. It's just a directional word toward, pertaining. So don't, don't be irritated. Don't be indignant against your wife. And so we consider the charge that we saw in Ephesians chapter 5, as we already talked about in the very beginning, of, Christ, of husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Then this means that that type of love doesn't allow a short-tempered husband to lead the home. To love as Christ. Again, all those Christian virtues that we talked about, all the charges. And, and then this, this charge right here, husbands have no, well, it's my home. And I, no, 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 wrong. Wrong direction to go in your attitude. There's no allowance for a short-tempered man, husband, to lead the home. There's no allowance in, in, in this as we are to love Christ, uh, love our, our wives as Christ loved the church, to treat our wives with any less grace or any less mercy than we extend to others. It doesn't mean that we can use them as a verbal punching bag. Say, yeah, but after I've dealt with what I've dealt with all day, I've, I've got, you know, she just gets the brunt of it. No, she should not get the brunt of it. Doesn't mean that we take our frustrations out on our wives. Again, just as a reminder, ladies, wives, this is something that's a Christian virtue that applies to you as well. No verbal punching bags. No, oh, I'm just, I'm just letting it all out. I'm just, let, let's, let's make sure we do that in a healthy way. Let's make sure that we do that in a God-honoring way. Uh, because we can deal with our emotions in a right way, or we can do the, deal with them in a wrong way. I mean, is that right? I mean, we, we, we realize that's the truth. I mean, we, we see that in, in other aspects, but when it comes to us actually applying, in our, applying it in our lives, 
we think that there's something different that applies, and it doesn't. There's a way for us to rightly handle and express and deal with and, and share our emotions that doesn't do damage that has to, be a, that has to use the verses, uh, apply the verses before. Forgive as you've been forgiven, you know. I've said this many times before, a husband, your wife has already had a daddy raise her. So she doesn't need you to be her daddy. She needs you to lead her. She needs you to set the example, to set the spiritual temperature, to set the spiritual pace. And again, I think that's where so much in the church has gone amiss, uh, even in, in, in churches like ours. And here's the reason why. is because women are much more in tune with their emotions, and women are much more expressive with their emotions. And so when it comes to uh, spiritual things, a lot of times women can, can experience this in, in, in a different way than men do. Men see things a lot uh, more matter-of-fact and a lot more uh, in, in generality and stuff like that. And so uh, for, for women to, to thrive and to, to, to go forward, even in a church setting where there is social uh, socialization aspect to it in this community, sometimes men can be like, well, my wife, she connects a lot better than I do. But it doesn't mean that she sets the spiritual pace. That's, that's, that's where things have gone wrong. You know, women going to church while guys go out and just do whatever they want to do sometimes. Uh, women being in touch and, and, and praying and, and, and seeking God's face in his word and, and husbands being like, hey, well, I'll go to church. No, husbands are supposed to set the spiritual temperature and the spiritual pace for the family. That means, guys, we've got to be out front spiritually. And if you're in a situation now where you, that you find yourself and you're like, man, my wife is, is, is ahead of me spiritually, then what you've got to do is you've got to maybe repent of the, the laziness, maybe, or the, uh, the, the lack of effort that you've put in your relationship with the Lord. Guys, we, this is serious stuff. We've got to lead our families and love our wives as Christ loved the church. We've got to do it like that. And... I don't think I said this when I was talking to the wives a few weeks back. Wives, your husband already had a mommy raise him as well. He did. He doesn't need you to mother him. He doesn't need you, uh, even though we may seem like we need it at times. Right? The mess, the not taking care of things, the, just name it, right? But guess what? If you're a wife, you're still not your husband's mom. So he doesn't need that. He doesn't need a mother again. What he needs and what every husband needs is what God designed for us, and that's a helpmeet. And again, well, I don't say I'm, I'm just trying to be that helpmeet to him, you know, because he's not getting it, you know, no. No, no, no. <clears throat> it's a partner. It's a help. It's a completion. It's a completion in grace. It's a completion in, in meekness and with a quiet spirit, as, as we saw in Peter for the, for the wives. And so neither the husband or the wife is to be combatant, not to be in, in any form like that. And so I, I want to make sure that we understand we turn our focus from the Lord and his will for us. 
then that's when we can lose the mind of Christ in our daily interactions. So what ends up happening is when we lose focus of this is what I'm supposed to be as a wife, this is what God's called me to be, this is what God's called me to be as a husband, when we lose focus of that, then we lose the mind of Christ in our daily interactions even with our spouse. What happens when that happens? What happens when we lose the mind of Christ in our daily interaction with our spouse? What happens? We begin to become selfish and the roles that we have been called to fulfill begin to be neglected. And that's when the combat can begin. That's when that just completely out of sync happens in the home. Again, this is the standard for all Christians. Love one another as I have loved you. We've talked about that. Uh, love has got to be this long-suffering, graceful, merciful, gentle love. Again, I want to tell this to the guys. Guys, this does not mean that it's a caving love. A gentle love is not a caving love. Women, wives, you need to recognize this as well. If your husband is loving and leading you spiritually well, then you have this responsibility. Again, this type of gentle, meek, uh, powerful, loving leadership is what wives should embrace in the home. It's the example of loving leadership that Christ displayed for every single one of us. And this is what is going to cause the home to thrive. Remember, Christ wasn't swayed in his role. We talked about this, um, about Peter. Peter goes up to, to Christ and says, look, you're not going to die for me. And Christ says, get behind me, Satan. You know, you're not, you, you know, you're not savoring the things that be of God. Christ was not going to be, as much as he loved Peter, as much as Peter had experienced with Christ, as much as Peter would be entrusted after Christ rose and ascended to the Father to, to lead that first group of apostles. I mean, all these things were God, uh, Christ knew that Peter was going to do. He was in the inner circle, the, the, the three disciples closest to Christ. And Christ didn't at that moment when Peter says, Don't, you're not going to die for me. Christ didn't say, you know, let me think about another way. I'm, I'm hearing what you got to say, Peter, and I love you. You know, again, Peter is part of the followers of Christ. Again, if we put ourselves in Peter's position, uh, Christ was not going to compromise the will of God because he loved us so. And that's how husbands are supposed to lead our, our wives. We're not to compromise the will of God because that's how much we love our, our, our wives. That should, that should be the, the example uh, that we set, because that was the love example that Christ set. That was the leadership example that Christ set. That's the long-suffering example that we have as well, uh, because what happens? Peter goes, and eventually Christ gets uh, put on a false trial, crucified. Peter denies him, curses him, leaves, goes back to, to what he did before. Christ calls him back, right? Christ calls him back and uses him in a redemptive and a miraculous way. Again, great example of love and leadership. So I want to say this once again. Husbands, the greatest way you can love your wives is to spiritually lead and treat them like Christ did and does the church. Our love for our wives is not to be fleshly in that it blinds or it robs us from our spiritual responsibility to God. Um, and that's that can be a difficult task because most of us husbands we work some some are retired some are uh, in a different phase and stuff like that but the, the reality is even if you're retired or you maybe don't have work 
because we are um, very work-oriented and solution-oriented, we, we do something, we, we have a result, uh, that's kind of how we're wired, that's, that's the way that things work, we can lose sight of our spiritual responsibilities. And so, again, what those look like are these, th- these things that we've talked about in every role. To love, to lead, and to listen. Uh, one of the toughest things maybe for most men to do is to listen. Guys, can we be honest and say amen? Two. Two of you are honest. Amen. Yeah, amen. There we go. There's, there's one primary one. Nosh is the worst listener. No, no I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just playing. <laughs> No, I'm just playing. Um, listen, guys, if you are hard of hearing, it doesn't mean that's your excuse for not listening to your wife. Hey, older guys. No, no. So, well, I'm just playing, playing. I don't have great hearing myself. but um, We are supposed to listen. Listen. I would say this. If we identify a weak spot, uh, that's a matter of concern in our life, then we should, in love, work to resolve that weak spot. Amen? I mean, if you're looking, the, the enemy's coming against families, he's coming against marriages. Um, the, the, the marriage statistic today is, is a little bit different as far as the success of marriages um, because the culture has changed. And so we look at how many even Christian marriages result in, in divorce. There's a, there's a war from the enemy, Satan, that's been waged on marriages. Why? Because we see in God's word that this is God's design. And so if Satan can destroy this, then he can make the, the, the culture, the, the nation, less effective in accomplishing what God's called to accomplish. Again, they've done research, even the, 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 the world has seen uh, that the home, uh, for instance, uh, we just did some premarital counseling. And, you know, if you go get a, um, a marriage license, uh, you get a tremendous discount. If you do premarital counseling you know that like a big discount especially for a newly newly uh, a newlywed couple it's a lot of it's a lot of money that you save if you do premarital counseling there's also a, a, a time waiting you can't just say I want a license and like uh, there's a there's a waiting period you know why there's a min- many reasons why because even the state a government can recognize if people are Jumping into marriage and then quickly getting divorced. Maybe they had a kid Now you have not only a financial the the welfare situation Then also you you have a breakdown in the culture and that's amazing It's amazing that the the world even sees this and recognizes this And so we as Christians have to understand that the enemy's coming against us in this battle and in a battle If you realize that you've got a weak spot a, a, a weak place that the enemy can penetrate then it's our responsibility to shore that up. It's our responsibility to give our very best effort to work on resolving it. I can't stand here and say that I've been the very best at working on listening in the course of our 18 years of marriage. But I, there have been seasons that I have been convicted that I need to be listening. I need to be a better listener. I need to um, not just hear that she's talking, but I need to listen to what she's saying. You guys are laughing because you know it's true. Amen, yeah, that's the way it goes. Uh, we've got to make sure that we're, we're listening. Uh, if you're not a good listener, then try to be a good listener. And so I try, it's just, it's hard. Then try harder. <clears throat> try harder. 
That's what it is. I mean, you're, you're either going to give up or you're going to uh, keep trying. One of the major contributing factors for all breakdown in the responsibilities of husbands and wives. Did you hear that? I mean, think, think about this. One of the major contributing factors for the, all breakdown in the responsibilities for husbands and wives. This is like heavy. This is, what is it? What is one of the major, major contributing factors for the breakdown in husbands and wives not doing what they're supposed to be doing? What is this main thing? I would say comfort. Comfort. One of the major contributing factors for the breakdown of husbands not doing what they're supposed to be doing, wives not be, supposed to be doing, doing what they're supposed to be doing. You say comfort. What? what? How is comfort a major contributing factor to husbands not doing what they're supposed to do and why? How is that? Here it is. We all have a level of comfort that we have with each other, right? Even the people in this room, we have a level of comfort with different people and maybe uh, different places. And with that comfort comes a relaxation. And so when we look at that, that being a reality in the home, when we have that level of comfort at its highest, with our spouse, then a lot of times we not only relax ourselves, but even relax our responsibilities. We feel comfortable with our husband, so we treat him differently than we do others. Amen? Which there is a good aspect to it, but also there turns to be a bad aspect to that. When we get so comfortable that we let down the responsibility of, of how we treat, or how the responsibility. We speak to them a little bit differently, right? That's what happens. As the comfort level goes up, sometimes and that guard comes down and those, those responsibilities come down, then we forget that we're supposed to be speaking with grace and treating just as we saw all Christians are supposed to treat each other. We feel comfortable with our wife. Again, similarly, we treat her differently. We speak to her differently. And as we're talking about listening, oftentimes that means that we don't give as much effort to listening. Right? Right, guys? Because we can turn that TV on and we can watch that game that we like. And we can hear what that announcer is saying about our favorite football player or our favorite team or our favorite baseball player or basketball, whatever it is. We can, we can tune in and we can listen to it and we can hear those stats and we can show up at work the very next day and we can tell somebody at our job as we're having this conversation about this. Well, did you know? Did you hear what they said? On, on, at the game last night, they said that this is the first time and blah, 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 that this team has ever been this. We can hear it, we can listen to it, and we can, we can record it in our mind. But within a minute sometimes, our wife says, hey, did you hear what I said while ago? Uh, yes. And then we try to rely on that, you know, that computer part of our brain that just retains information. Like I got the words, what were the words, the words, she said some words. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they? Delete, 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 delete. Other information, delete. Come on, other information, come forward. You know. <laughs> but this shouldn't be. This it just shouldn't be. Uh, I will say this: being a, a sharp listener is a quality that every Christian should have. Being a sharp listener is a quality that every Christian should have. And so we're talking about husbands should be loving and they should be leading and they should be listening. Again, these are all things that we should be doing. Every single Christian uh, should be listening. Again, we see James chapter 1, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, 
Let every man, every person, every single man be swift to hear, be quick to hear, and slow to speak and slow to wrath because the wrath of man doesn't work God's righteousness. Being wrathful is not going to accomplish what God wants accomplished. And I've shared this before. He said, Brother Kyle, listen. I'll listen, and then the words keep coming. And, and it's just a lot. And I just, it's hard to retain all of those words. Again, I've talked about this before. Women typically are better listeners, no doubt. Because women are more socially wired, better so, so, on, the, on the large part, not every single woman, but on the large part, that's kind of the design is, is to be more the, the comforters, the, the nurturers, the, the, the caretakers, and, and uh, therefore more in tune with needs and, 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 and comforts and, and, and love and, and all those things. And so there's this interaction that women have at a, a different level than most men. Some men are, are better at it than others. Um, but women are typically better listeners, and studies show that women are generally better talkers, both in eloquence and in volume. <clears throat> Some research has shown it's something like 20,000 to around 7,000. That's more than double. Think about that. On... on, on uh, average, again, maybe a little bit older information, uh, maybe that's gone down with social media because people are talking more on social media than they are actually in person. Uh, but that's, that's on, on, on average the ratio. Women speak about 20,000 uh, to men, 7,000. Um, I think Addison, I, I've shared this before when she was younger, um, she said that girls talk more than boys because they have more words. And uh, she, she, just, she, she didn't know what she was saying. I was like, yeah, you're right. And she can talk as well. <laughs> and uh, so talking is good. Talk, talk is, again, how we communicate, but also there's not communication unless we are listening, and so listening is vital. Um, learning is a product of listening, and if we are going to learn our wives, we're going to know our wives, we've got to listen to them. Um, and I will say this, ladies, Many of you know, many of you have been married for a long time, and you, you're just like, I don't even, I'm past all that, don't even have to do all that. Uh, but some are still doing this. If you're newly married or, or married under 10 years or, or uh, about to be married or whatever, um, know this. Guys do not speak in code. They, they, they just do not. As much as you want them to, they just do not. And if we, if we swing and we hit that ball one out of a thousand pitches that you throw at us doesn't mean that we actually got your code. That means we got lucky. <laughs> right? If we, I mean, at some point when you, you well, I, I, you should have known, and, and the next day there was the code sent, and the husband got it, and you were like, aha, huh, I knew you understood what I wanted. N that's right. That's right. <laughs> Just... Count your many blessings, name them one. <laughs> name them one. <laughs> because we're not, we're not code detectors. And so, um, 
And that's the last thing that I'll say and we'll be done. Just, not that, but about learning. Um, you know, we have to listen to learn. Um, but the truth for every single Christian, every wife, every husband, every young person, every person that's a Christian, every single one of us need to be in a constant state of learning. As a Christian, that's what I'm supposed to do. But I want to I tell you this, as a pastor, I've, I've given myself to do that. I'll go to conferences. I read books on leadership. I talk to other pastors. I, I mean, I, I want to learn. I want to grow, I, 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 not just as a Christian, but also on what God has entrusted to me. I want to do that as a husband. I want to do that as a father. Every single one of us, what God has entrusted to us, we should be wanting to learn and to grow. Learning from the Lord what we should be learning so that we can be who he's called us to be. Husband needs to need to learn some things. <clears throat> Why? Because the Bible says so. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3, Let the husband render, give unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto their, to her husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Again, the husband gives strength to the wife. The wife gives strength to the husband. Um, we are to know each other and we are to give to each other what's needed and necessary and desired that is that is what what we're called to do and so to to do those things you've got to listen and you've got to learn you can't you can't send codes and you can't try to detect codes but a paradox here says that the wife doesn't have power over her own body yet it is her own body see the oneness that marriage is in Christ places the husband and wife into this situation that explains it. This one complements the other and neither without the other can realize the perfect ideal of what God wants with man. Again, without the other, it's impossible. You are each other's. In this perfect union as a husband and wife, again, there is a lot to learn. Um, I, I watch and I've listened to and I observe uh, people at different stages of their marriages and, and, and I listen. And, and, and so there's a lot of different things that come up in messages like this, but also in our, our uh, marriage seminars uh, that come from that. Just observing and listening and watching and I've been around people at various stages of their marriages and uh, and again in their relationship with Christ. But I believe when there's a proper fellowship with the Lord, regardless of how long you've been married, when there's a proper fellowship with the Lord and proper relationship with each other, doing these things we've talked about, then that place of completion and that place of strength is found in the home. And that's exactly what God started in the Garden of Eden. That's what he desired. That's what he still desires today. And as I said before, I'll say it again tonight. One of the greatest struggles in our lives as men and husbands and fathers who say that we're saved, say that we're a child of God, is for those who say that and yet they lead or they facilitate or they promote a secular lifestyle in, in their own life and in their home. I want to encourage you guys tonight, don't do that. Don't be that. Don't be that husband. Don't be that man. Don't be that father that says you're saved but leads your home or facilitates in your home 
a lifestyle that's secular. Now, throughout this study with the family, <clears throat> seeing all these responsibilities from the kids, responsibilities to the parents, parents' responsibilities to kids, wives' responsibilities to the husbands, husbands' responsibilities to the wives. And again, there's been these constant points throughout the whole thing. And it's to love, it's to lead, it's to lend, it's to listen, and it's to learn. And if we will do those things in our relationships, in our homes, man, we're going to have some thriving homes in our church. And it's going to influence other people. It's going to influence the lost world. And so I pray that we'll embrace these responsibilities um, and we'll see that it's so important for us to do that. Uh, Again, if you see an area in your life, if you're a husband here tonight, and you see an area, or maybe you're about to be a husband, or or, or maybe you got many years before your husband, or maybe you used to be a husband, or whatever. Listen, if there's a, again, I want to say this, if there was a a weakness in in your life, you know there's an area that you need to shore up, you need to strengthen, then why wait? If you know it's a weakness, then take care of it tonight. Take care of it now. If you need to be, if you need to, to, to be a better spiritual leader, make that commitment tonight. If you need to be a better listener, like most of us do, then make a commitment or make a recommitment tonight. If you need to be a, a better learner of, of the Lord and, and of your wife, make that commitment tonight. God, help me learn my wife better help me know her better so that i can love her and lead her in 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 a better way that glorifies you and so um i want to encourage you with that tonight hopefully uh it it did that maybe it brought some conviction maybe it did something else but uh however the lord worked on your heart maybe you just want to grab your wife and pray with her Uh, maybe you want to grab your husband and pray with him um maybe you just want to talk to the lord by yourself tonight and so uh, where, whatever the case is, I want to ask you to stand tonight. Uh, I'm going to pray. And uh, when I'm done, they're going to play some music, and I want to invite you uh, to respond however the Lord leads you. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you for the challenge and the conviction, Lord, that you give me. I, I want to uh, be the man that you've called me to be, uh, first and foremost, the, your child that, that you want me to be. Because I know if, if I'm uh, striving and going that direction, then I can be the husband Uh, the the chances of me being the husband you've called me to be are a lot better. Lord, that's what I want. I want to be the father you've called me to be. I want to be the servant you've called me to be. And so, um, Lord, start with me and move throughout this room and every man, every husband, every home, uh, every Christian. Lord, help us to be committed to being who you've called us to be. And Lord, we pray that you just move now in Jesus' name. Amen.